0: Hello, and welcome back to Bible Breast. Welcome. Emily started coughing up a lung as soon as I hit record. Uh,
1: Are you good? Yes. Okay. (laughs) That's a little dramatic. Coughing up a lung.
0: (laughs) We are back with you. We're very excited to get back into our redemptive relationship study. But I will just let you guys know, this is going to be a much shorter one than usual. Lord willing, it has to be because I have to leave for work in like 20 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, we are going to do what we can to start foundational concept number one. It's been a great week, lots of blessings in the in our home, and we're very thankful for that. But it's been a week of unexpected things happening and us scrambling to accommodate them, and so we are just now recording in this time crunch. So. Please continue to pray for the podcast, for wisdom about this series as we're developing it, and that God would just be glorified as we bring it to you guys each week. And so we're going to get into um, foundational concept number one. So as we've covered in the other podcasts um, the last couple weeks, as we started this redemptive relationships series, um, we talked about you know kind of our testimonies with discipleship endeavors, um, the kind of Things that can keep you from becoming a participant in discipleship. That's covered in part one. And um, just like how do spiritual gifting plays into that and what it looks like for you as an individual. And then last week in part two, we talked about preparing the ground, being ready for God to work. And we talked about the importance of using God's word for how we form our own personal doctrine regarding discipleship, regarding service, regarding all those things. And That was important groundwork for us to cover before getting into the meat of discipleship because we don't want to teach you how to make disciples and the practical steps that that looks like if you're not going to do it biblically, Yeah. okay? We don't want you to make other little people that are not following the word of God. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is why we're taking so much time and this isn't just like, here are some tips and tricks on how to become a disciple maker. We're taking the time to build the house well and appropriately, we hope. Part one was preparing the ground. Part two was starting to lay a strong foundation. And today, as we are in part three, it's again, how do we build a foundation that is biblically, doctrinally sound? What does that look like? And so we're getting into foundational concept number one. Think of this as a big, huge concrete block or pad that a house is going to be put on. These are the big foundational... They hold the structural support of the entire building. It's got to be based on something rock solid, not something that's going to be flimsy or is going to break at the first sign of water or pressure, you know, the ground settling. This has to be something that is going to stand the test of time. And so our first concept is that women have a specific and a powerful role in the creative order, in the home. And in the church. And so we're going to talk about God's design for women and the creative order as we start talking about this foundational concept of women. Guys, there are a lot of wonderful women who love the word of God and who love God, who have devoted their lives to talking about the design of woman and what that looks like. And there's some excellent resources out there. Mm-hmm. Revive Our Hearts comes to mind automatically. Yeah, They talk about this a lot. How do we become a godly woman What does it look like to be a woman of faith? And I just want to encourage you, if you have questions about this, that this study is bringing up, to go spend time on the podcast for revive our hearts, to look up their blogs, to buy some of their books and resources, just great resources for women to be able to utilize, to really figure out if you're struggling in this, if you've never had godly biblical teaching on what it looks like to be a woman of God, on what it looks like to be a biblical woman, then spend time shoring up those areas that are lacking in your life. If your foundation's weak, don't acknowledge it and then continue building a house, fix the foundation. Yeah. We're not gonna have time to fix it, we're just talking about it in part three <laughs> today, okay? <laughs> so if you need to spend more time here, spend more time here. But we're gonna go where we should go and we're talking about the creative order, we're gonna go to Genesis one, and this is gonna be where we really see and are showcasing God's design. So, Emily, would you read Genesis one twenty six through 27? Yes.
1: All right. Genesis one twenty six. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female,
0: he created them. so I think you see here that the man there is referring to like the creative man, like mankind, right? It's not just saying man, like the male sex, Mm -hmm. because it then goes on to say male and female, he created them, right? Mm -hmm. Like God is talking about not just he's given man stewardship and dominion over these things, but he's given it to man and woman to mankind to be stewards and to have dominion over creation to a certain extent um you know there's only so much we really have the power to control right when it comes to creation but god has given us dominion he's given us stewardship of the planet he's given us dominion and stewardship of our own little spheres of influence how are we utilizing that are we being faithful stewards and so that's cool that in the creative order it's mentioned that god has given both men and women the stewardship and dominion of the earth as part of their job to glorify him by how they Mm -hmm. carry that out. It's also kind of sobering because I don't think we spend a lot of time in church talking about that stewardship and how maybe your church does, but like how significant that is that we be men and women who are faithful stewards and are faithful to exercise dominion over earth and over what we have been given in responsible ways and that are honoring to the Lord. It's something to think about. Sometimes I think as Christians, we can be a little um, frustrated or scoffing at those who devote their lives to like saving the planet or something. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, you're Mm going to be a tree hugger or something like that. And like, I think God gave us a planet to use for -hmm. its resources. You know, I don't have a problem with eating meat or with, you know, cutting down trees with foresting and all that kind of stuff. But there's a way to do it that's responsible. Like Mm -hmm. there's a way to do it that Good stewardship. Is, yeah, that honors God and that thinks about the future, not just selfishly grabs whatever we want for the present, but thinks about sustainability. Is this something that am I am I going to leave behind forests for my grandchildren? You know, are we being intentional to plant trees? Are we being intentional not to just buy everything on Amazon that we feel like because every purchase I make on Amazon – is coming in a separate cardboard box and is coming from a factory that just churns things out. Like, am I being thoughtful about what I purchase so I purchase things that are gonna last and that are good for the planet, not just fast fashion or cheap products that I'll have to buy another one next year, you know? It's Mm -hmm. just thinking about those things. Like, we shouldn't become obsessed about them, I think, but we should be thoughtful Mm -hmm. as women Women who honor God with how we exercise dominion. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that, Emily?
1: No, I totally agree. I think for some reason, taking care of the planet has gotten a bad rap and probably because of like earth worship and things like that too. But you know, the earth is a really great gift from God, and I think we should take care of it just mm-hmm. as we
0: could, should be good stewards in other aspects of our lives as well. Yeah, absolutely. We should be picking up trash when we see it on the side of the road. We should recycle because that honors the Lord for us to be intentional about how we utilize our waste products. And, you know, we should just be people that are thoughtful about those things. Unsaved people have way less of a reason to be involved in restoring the earth than we do. I mean, we've been given that dominion and stewardship by God mm-hmm. himself, so we should take it more seriously. Yeah. So then let's get into Genesis 2, 15 through 18. Um, this is an interesting look at some words that are used here, I think are significant. So I'm like, go ahead. Sure.
1: Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man saying from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a
0: helper suitable for him. What's interesting here is, and depending on your translation, there are words like opposite or counterpart that are used here. Hmm. And it's, um, it means the same but like the uh, the, of equal but opposite value does that make sense like these are two things that are the same but they're just different
1: i have a note on mine that says corresponding to oh yeah so that's that's a a really yeah like a puzzle
0: piece almost like Mm -hmm. where they're shaped differently but they come together and they create a whole and this is like not a word that's used for something that's subservient or less than this is definitely a word that just means like of equal value, but opposite. And I think it's important because some people will take passages like the creative order, and they will use that as a way to say women are not as significant as men to God. And that's not accurate. It's not biblical.
1: Weaponizing God's word is not (laughs) a good thing to do.
0: Well, that's true too, (laughs) but you know, it's also just poor study. Yeah, You know, like you need to be, it's poor hermeneutics. Like you need to be in the word, you need to be Mm -hmm. in the text, you need to understand what the words mean. And not, not just knowing how like, to study it yeah. correctly.
1: Because you I mean, you can twist the Bible into saying mm-hmm. pretty much anything you want it to. So that's yeah. why it's important to actually look at what it's trying to tell you instead of just taking a couple words out
0: of order and yeah, exactly. Doing what you want with that. And we'll get into this more in subsequent parts of this series because we really dig down and look at God as being our ultimate example of some of the roles we take on as women, like being helpers and being submissive and being all these different things that women are called to be in the creative order and in the roles he's given us. And we look at how God is the ultimate example of those things in subsequent parts. So it's really interesting study. I hope you guys are able to follow along. And I think it's really enjoyable to see what, how God doesn't ask us to do something he doesn't do himself (laughs) Mm. and how God really gives us such an incredible example of embracing submission or embracing being a helper with joy and with power and how he does that in incredibly effective ways. Again, women are very powerful in the creative order. Mm -hmm. They are, they have incredible um, influence. And I think that's really neat to see. And Satan knows that. And that's why he attacks it because he wants us to use it for negative evil in the world, not for the positive things that God desires for us to use it for. And so here in um, chapter 2 of Genesis, verses 19 through 20, if you can read that quickly, Emily. Out of the ground,
1: the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every
0: beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So this is before God has made woman. We're seeing Adam on his own in the Garden of Eden, and we're seeing God has given Adam specific tasks. And he is, I think, helping Adam to recognize a need in his life yeah, through this. You I know? think so too. <laughs> and that's really neat that he, God is letting him name the animals. And God actually says, it says in the passage here, that God watches to see what Adam will do, like what he'll name them. And that's really neat too, like just kind of an inner glimpse into the mind of God here where he knows what Adam's going to name them. I mean, Mm -hmm. he made Adam, but he is interested in seeing the creativity he gifted Adam with seeing it play out. And I think it's kind of like a parent being delighted in something a child does that shows, you know, that they have gifting for something, or, you know, maybe your kid is, is in art or in dance or something like math, you know, they're in like a, you know, a really important math club or something that showcases their skills. And that's exciting to you as a parent to see like, oh, look at how well they're doing in this. Look at the gifting that they have. And it's neat for to see like the heart of God. I think here is he created man not that long ago, and now he's watching what he's going to do with the tasks Mm. he's given him. And that's just neat to see that. But there's no helper found for, for Adam. All these animals have a counterpart. They all have a helper. They all have another Um, one of their same species of an opposite gender that is able to be with them, you know, in nature, you know, you see these animals coming to him and there's no helper found for Adam. And it's just showcasing again that um, God, I think is setting Adam up for that. So let's quickly read 21 through 22.
1: So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place the Lord God fashioned into a woman, the rib, which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man.
0: I love that Eve is created here out of Adam's body. It's so mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. You know, Cause God could have done it out of the dust. Like he did with Adam. He could have made her out of whatever. He could have made her out of flowers or something, you know, neat, mm-hmm. you know, in that yeah. regard, but like he makes her out of Adam. It's really sweet. When you think about that, she's taken from his body and, and, it's interesting, there's a Matthew Henry quote I included in our notes here today that says, Eve was not taken out of Adam's head to top him, neither out of his feet to be trampled on by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected by him, and near his heart to be loved by him. Hmm. And like, that's really neat. You know, We don't yeah. know the reasons for God making her out of a rib, but it is an interesting place in the body for him to take. There are other bones I can think of right now that would be more human-esque in shape, right? Or like would be bigger, like a femur or something. I don't know. <laughs> you yeah. know. It's interesting. Like, I mean, then Adam wouldn't be able to walk. There are a lot of like uh, weird tangents people get off on with like the missing rib and stuff like that. And um, Answers in Genesis thinks that God probably restored Adam's rib to him or like, you know, subsequent generations weren't going to be born without that rib. Like that was mm-hmm. just like, if you lose a finger, your kid doesn't, isn't born without a finger. <laughs> but, um, it is interesting to think about God taking a rib and what that signifies. It's from his side. It's someone who was right there next to him. Mm-hmm. It It is an interesting place in the body, you know?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting for sure. Like, obviously, the Bible doesn't explicitly say this is why God did what he did right. at every given point. And so I think it's just good food for thought. In the meantime, I like Matthew Henry's quote, and then in heaven, we can ask God why for sure yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. know,
0: and know why he decided to do it that exactly. way. Exactly, It's interesting to think about the, the way that God created woman and the why's that, that might have been involved in that, mm-hmm. but we aren't told. So it's really just speculation, but it's interesting to, to kind of consider those things. And then lastly, let's just read verse 23 in Genesis 2.
1: The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man.
0: It's interesting here to see one flesh used. Again, if something is less than, if something is unequal, they cannot come together and be one, you know, like I think of, um, I don't know, like, y- you can't, you can't put a cupcake onto the side of a cake, and they're not going to look like one thing. <laughs> it's going to look like it has a little weird group, you know? <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> like, I don't know, they're just popping my head. Like, it's, you can't take two things that are totally different and, and, Of unequal value and worth and put them together and make something that's whole and Mm -hmm. that's one. You need two halves. You need a counterpart, right? And the idea of being one flesh here as a husband and a wife, as a couple, there's great power in that, that you're a team, that you Mm -hmm. come together, that there's unity. But at the same time, we know they're very different. And we're going to get into the differences between man and woman more extensively as we study in this passage. As we study through this series, um, we live in a culture that doesn't think that there's that big of a difference between a man and a woman. Or that if there is a difference, you can overlook it or change Mm -hmm. or take medicine to try to make those differences, you know, reverse. Um, But there are significant differences to men and to women and medically we understand this biologically we understand this because you don't treat you know this person with this kind of metabolic demand and with this much lean muscle mass and with this kind of bone structure with the same amount of you know medicine or whatever that you would treat a woman with this kind of lean muscle mass and this kind of bone structure and all those things like there are reasons why women are at risk for Osteoporosis in their older age, and men typically aren't, right? Like, there, there are physiological differences in our bodies. We all understand that. Right now, as a culture in the Western world, we're forgetting it a little bit to try to like not hurt people's feelings who think that they're different genders. But there is a significant difference objectively between the two. And even with those differences, we see a lot of words that are used here in the creative account that unify them, mm-hmm. that make them equal and the eyes of God, even though they're different. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Equal yet distinct. Yeah. And that's really cool. And that's all this little snapshot of creation and these little things that we notice studying through this. This is all that we're able to talk about on the podcast this week because of our time constraints. But I hope you enjoyed this little teaser into the know the role of woman in the creative order that god has made her for we're going to get into it more in depth lord willing next week and specifically how this role was attacked by our first antagonist that we see in scripture and we'll get into that next week so i hope you guys are able to spend time in god's word to spend time thinking and praying through these things studying this passage out and looking at other resources for biblical womanhood to be able to really understand where maybe your beliefs are not reflecting God's Word, or where there are areas in your life where you're struggling, or maybe just ignorance, like you just have never been taught about these things and you just don't know. And so we want to encourage you with God's Word, encourage you to seek Him out this week in your personal time with Him, and that we're willing to be back together next week to talk about this even more sounds good thank you guys for joining we love you we love you
1: bye bye